0: If you have your Bibles this morning, open them up to uh, the book of Luke, 24th chapter and the 49th verse. As you noticed in the bulletin, I'm preaching on submission and surrender. There's no subject that I could deal with that's more important uh, in your own personal and daily life. I'm praying this morning that God will give you ears to hear a heart to understand and a will to obey. You know, I'm convinced that in every true child of God that there is a deep longing to live a life of spiritual power. I I really believe that. I believe that once Jesus Christ comes to live in our hearts, There is that longing and desire to live in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. We want to live a life of spiritual power. We do. Now you you understand that Jesus Christ did not come, die on the cross, rise from the dead, and come to live his life in you. And give you the gift of the Holy Spirit so you could live a defeated life. That's not, that's not why he came. Everything Jesus did so it was so that you and I on this earth, on our journey to our home in heaven, could live a life of spiritual power. That is the will of God. I mean spiritual power that overcomes temptation. Spiritual power that overcomes sin, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, addiction, lust, whatever it might be. Spiritual power to overcome the world system that loves to pull us in. Spiritual power to overcome the flesh and the devil. I mean, God's will is for you and me to live a life of daily spiritual power. That is the will of God. And that's why the Holy Spirit came to indwell us. You know, um, you know, the Bible says so much about how God wants us to live in spiritual power. Let's just take Luke 24, verse 49. Listen to what Jesus told his disciples. Now listen to what he said. This, this is about how God wants you to live in spiritual power. Not a defeated life. Not a discouraged life, not an up-and-down life, but a life of spiritual power. He said in Luke 29, 24, 49, Behold, I send the promise of the Father before you, but you tarry in Jerusalem until you, re are, until you are endued with power from on high. He said, Now, I promised, the Father promised, that he was going to give you the Holy Spirit. He said, but now I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he was talking about Pentecost when the Holy Spirit would come. And it was Jesus again who talked about the will of the Father for us to have spiritual power. When he said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power after The Holy Spirit has come upon you. It is the will of God for us to live in spiritual power. I love what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20. The kingdom of God is not in word, but it is in power. You know, in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, listen to what it says. I'm talking about living in spiritual power, y'all. Having power over temptation, power over sin, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, whatever it is that's knocking you down and defeating you. Power over this world system, power over the flesh, power over the devil. Not living a life of defeat, but living a life of spiritual power. It says in 2 Corinthians 4.17, We have this treasure, Jesus, in earthen vessels. Now listen to this that the power may be of God and not of us. And then you get over into the book of Ephesians and perhaps the greatest verses on on how God wants us to live a life of spiritual power is found in the book of Ephesians. And listen in chapter one, how he talks about God's power for you. Now I'm, I'm saying to you, God's spiritual power is for every believer. There are no first class Christians, second class Christians, and third class Christians. They're Christians. There are no first class, second class, or third class children of God. We're all children of God. And the blessings of God are the same for every child of God. If we will avail ourselves of God's blessing. You say, "What, well, Brother Fred, I don't believe I'll ever live in spiritual power. You're living in unbelief. Because you're not listening to what God has to say to you. God's spiritual power in the person of the Holy Spirit is for everybody in this room who is a child of God. And notice what he says in Ephesians chapter 1. And and this is verse 19. Now listen at this. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? Man, Paul said, I've got to let you know how great the power of God is for your life. He said, The only way I know to tell you, I want you to know the exceeding greatness of his power to you who believe, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above every principality, power, might, and dominion. Then over in chapter 3, verse 20, once again he talks about the power of God for the believers. He says, now now this is verse 20. To him who is able to do, now listen to his words, exceedingly, abundantly, more than we could ask or think. He said, I want you to know the exceeding greatness of his power to you who believe, which he manifested when he raised Jesus from the dead. Then he goes back, he says, now, let let me tell you another way. He said, I want you to understand that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we could ever ask or think. According to the power that works in us folks listen Jesus came, died, and rose again and gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we could live a life of spiritual power. But I want to ask you a question. Where is the power of God in our lives? And where is the power of God in the church? And where is the power of God penetrating a lost society? Why does there seem to be so much lack of power, spiritual power, in our lives? Why? Did you know what the Bible says one of the greatest tragedies and warnings in the Word of God. In 2 Timothy 3, 5, he said, The day is going to t- come when they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They profess to be godly, but they have no spiritual power. Let me tell you, it is the will of God for every one of us. It is the privilege of ours to live in spiritual power, with the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the, the, the Bible tells us that the power of the Holy Spirit, there, there are four victories that are ours when we walk in the Spirit and when we live in the Spirit's power. There are four. The first one is this. It says that when we walk in the Spirit's power, when we live in the Spirit's power, We have the power to overcome sin. You say, well, now what verse is that, Brother Fred? I'm going to give it to you right now. Did you know that by the power of the Spirit, you can overcome sin? Galatians 5, 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. He said, oh, you'll be tempted. But if you walk in the Spirit... You won't give in to that temptation. If you live in the Spirit's power. He said walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the, uh, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Hey, there's the spiritual power to overcome the works of the flesh as we walk in the Spirit. But he also says it is by the power of the Spirit that we can put to death the deeds of the flesh. In Romans chapter 8, verse 14 He talks about how that we can put to death the deeds of the flesh. Listen to what it says, Romans 8, 13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. He says, listen, by the power of the Spirit, you don't have to sit. You can overcome sin. And by the power of the Spirit, you can put to death the deeds of the body. You can put to death the deeds of the flesh. And he goes on and says that by, that the power of the Holy Spirit sets us free from the law of sin and death. Listen to this. For the law of the Spirit, capital S, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. Hey, power to overcome sin. Walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. Power to put to death the deeds of the flesh. By by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body and you shall live. And that that the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has given us victory over the law of sin and death. It's called spiritual power to overcome sin, to overcome temptation, to overcome the law of sin and death. Do you know it's the power of the Holy Spirit that shows you to be a true child of God? In Romans 8, 14 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. And it says it's a power of the Holy Spirit that makes us like Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness. There's no question about it that spiritual power comes from the fact that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives in us And it is the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to overcome temptation and sin and the works of the flesh, the law of sin and death, and to be like Jesus. But why do we lack such spiritual power? Where is the power to live a powerful spiritual life? You know, to live a powerful spiritual life is tied to one thing, tied to one thing, and that is surrender. The only person who is going to live a powerful spiritual life is a person who is absolutely surrendered to God. Now, I want you to think about this. They use the uh, example of the potter and the clay and how that the potter, I uh, has power over the clay, and it can shape it and mold it into whatever vessel it want to be. But think about this. The Bible says we're clay in the potter's hand. But what if we resist the hands of the potter? What if we don't let the potter have his way in our life? In other words, God wants to shape us and mold us and make us into an image of Christ that would please him. But you know, we resist that. You know what that is? It's a lack of surrender. The surrendered life is a powerful spiritual life. There is no power without surrender. You say, no, Brother Fred, you don't understand. I want spiritual power. And God says, okay. But it all begins when you surrender. It's called absolute surrender to God. Let me just give you some verses I'm telling you, this is the heart of the issue. There's a lack of spiritual power in many lives today because they're not surrendered. And there's a lack of spiritual power in the church today because it's not surrendered. It's doing its own thing. Listen to what the Bible talks about surrender. First of all, it says to you and me, God's children, I beseech you by the mercies of God, present your body... A living sacrifice. Present your body a living sacrifice. It's called surrender. Holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. And then you get over in the sixth chapter of the book of Romans, and three times, listen to me, it says yield yourself to God. It says yield yourself to God over and over again. Because spiritual power comes from a surrendered life. There will be no spiritual power apart from your unconditional, absolute surrender to God. You will be defeated until you're surrendered to the Lord completely. Over in Romans chapter 6, listen to what it says, verse 13. And do not yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourself to God. As those that are alive from the dead. Turns right around in verse 16 and says, Do you not know that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are? If you yield yourself to sin, you're the slave of sin. If you yield yourself to obedience, you're the slave of righteousness. And then he says in verse 19, he says, For just as you yielded your members as slaves of uncleanness and lawlessness, now yield your members as slaves of righteousness to holiness. Folks, listen to me now. I'm going to tell you where the battle is. It's about whether or not you and I will live a surrendered life. It's whether you and I will live a yielded life. That's where the battle is. You see, because the real battle is we don't want anybody controlling our lives but ourselves. And see, the truth is, you're either controlled by the flesh, or you're controlled by Jesus. I mean, it's not an, you know, I can't figure it out, Brother Fred. I just can't figure the Christian life out. Let me figure it out for you right now. If you're living a life surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be controlled by the Spirit. If you're not living a life surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to be controlled by the flesh, and you're going to live in the flesh. That's exactly what you're going to do. It's all a matter of surrender. You say, but why is it so hard, Pastor, to surrender? Because I'm going to tell you something. We want to control our own lives. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Now, Lord, I I really would be thankful if you forgave me of my sins. and would take me to heaven when I die. But until I get to heaven, I want to run my life, do what I want to do, and control my own life. And that is absolutely impossible for a child of God. It's impossible. Let me give you two verses. Now, this verse, if you just think about it, it says in 1 Corinthians 6 19, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Okay, I know that, Lord. Your Holy Spirit lives in me, okay? For you are not your own. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You are not your own well then who, who do I belong to? You are not your own. You're bought with a price. What was the price? We sang about it all morning. The Lamb of God on the cross shedding his blood Purchased and paid for you. Let me tell you one thing: salvation is a gift, but it's the most costly thing in the world. For you to be saved, the Son of God had to shed His blood down a cross in your place, take your sins, and then He says to you, "Now you need to understand: I've purchased you when I died for you. You are not your own; you are bought with a price." Now, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Listen. It's all about who we belong to. Boy, I love that verse over in 2 Corinthians 5.17. I want you to listen to it. It says, we realize that if one died for all. Now stay with me, you've got to get this verse. We realize that if one died for all, that, that then all were dead. And that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who loved them and gave himself for him. You know what he just said? He said, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But you were dead, but he died for all. And now, you've got to understand that now, you no longer should live for yourself. But you ought to live for him who loved you and gave himself for you. I do know this. When God's child, I'm talking about an individual, Forget you're the only person in this room and you're the only person I'm talking to. Now listen to what I'm saying to you. If you're a child of God and you will live a life of absolute surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, you will have a life full of spiritual power. You will. There is no question. It's impossible for the devil to defeat a man or woman who are totally surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ under his control, I am telling you, when you are living a life of surrender, you will have spiritual power. You will. And you'll be amazed at how you just overcome the things that used to overcome you. See, the problem is you said, well, I'm going to surrender most of it to the Lord, brother Fred. I'm going to give God 90%. Well, then he, you know, the devil will just jump on that 10% and beat your brains out is exactly what he'll do. I mean, all he needs is a little inroad into your life. But I'm doing pretty good, Brother Fred. I, I'm about 50% there. Well, what the devil's got the other 50%, you're going to get whipped. I'm just telling you right now. All I know is, as best you can, by the grace and power of God, you say to the Lord, I absolutely, unconditionally surrender my life to you. I am yours. You do with me what you will. You said, I am not ready to do that. Well, two, then, then you've got one or two problems. If you say, I have no intention of surrendering my life to Christ. I have no, con- no intention of letting God have complete control of my life. Then one thing, you could be lost just without Christ. You say, but I've been baptized. It doesn't matter. You can be baptized 50 times and be lost. You say, well, I joined the church. Well, you can join every church in Mobile and be lost It's hard for me to understand that a child of God, I understand it, but I struggle with it, that a child of God will say, Thank you for saving me, but I'm going to run my own life. I'll check with you when I get to heaven. No. See, you're either living a life of surrender or a life of unsurrender. And as long as there's any area of your life that is not surrendered, you're going to be defeated. The devil doesn't have to have a big acre. He can just have a little acre, and he'll get in there, and he'll wear you out. And let me tell you what breaks my heart. When I see people who are not surrendered, and I've been there, I know what it is not to be surrendered. I know what it is to have areas of your life that you want to hold on to. And I know how the devil gets in there and just beats your brain. I know. I've been defeated before. I understand defeat. Do you understand? I do. But it breaks my heart. When I see A person who I really believe is a child of God. But they just getting kicked around like a football, knocked around, beat around, and just don't have any victory over this or any victory over that. they got bitterness and unforgiveness and anger and lust. They just eat up. and, and, And they say, well, I don't understand this. Christianity doesn't work for me. Oh, no. It's not that Christianity doesn't work for you. You're not surrendered. You have got to surrender. There's no other way. Well, that's a pretty strong demand for God to make on me, for me to be completely surrendered. Well, don't you think that the God who created you and the God who sent his son to die and suffer in your place, don't you think that love like that has every right to demand for you to surrender? (laughs) The love of Christ compels me because I realized that if he died for all, then all were dead and that those who live should no longer live for themselves but they should live for him who loved them and gave himself for him. But you don't understand, brother Fred. I've just got one life on this earth. Yes, I do understand. I don't believe in reincarnation. You you live and you die and that's it. And you stand before God. And oh, you say, but you don't understand. I just want to do my own thing. I just want to live my own life. Now, don't you understand, Brother Fred, that it that if I surrender my life to Jesus, I'm going to miss so much. I'm just going to miss so much. Yeah, let me tell you what you're going to miss. You're going to miss sin, and you're going to miss guilt, and you're going to miss shame, and you're going to miss addiction, and you're going to miss defeat, and you're going to miss destruction. That's what you're going to miss. I tell you one thing, when you surrender to Jesus, anything you miss, God never had for you anyway, and your life will be better than it's ever been in this world. You see, the most miserable person is a Christian that's not surrendered. The most victorious person is a Christian who is surrendered. You say, what's wrong with the church today, Brother Fred? we got churches all over Mobile, Alabama. we got hundreds of churches. we got hundreds of churches all over America. You name the denomination. There's every kind of denomination. What's wrong with the church today? No spiritual power. Why is there no spiritual power? Because there's no surrender. We want to do it our way and our own thing. We're trusting in the arm of the flesh instead of trusting in God. It's called surrender. I'll point back to a time in my life when it all changed. I was saved when I was nine years old. God called me to preach when I was 19 years old. And I started, I had my first church when I was 20 and went ahead in 1967 and graduated from seminary. First church was in Greenville, South Carolina, then a church in North Carolina, out of seminary. And then there was a church, uh, those two churches. And God led me to go and hear a man preach. And you know what he preached on? Now, you've got to understand, I'd already been, I was, at this time, I was at least uh, 28 years old, something like that. I'd already been preaching, already pastored three or four churches already graduated from seminary. But you know, done all that now, should be prepared to do it. But you know, so I went and heard this man preach, and he preached on total surrender, absolute surrender. He preached on the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord, and unless He's the Lord of your life, you're not going to know an abundant life, and you're not going to know spiritual power. And out of that with an understanding, I came away from that with an understanding that I did not belong to myself. I did not belong to myself, that I belonged to Jesus. And I came out of that understanding that the word Savior is mentioned 24 times in the New Testament. The word Lord is mentioned 200 times in the New Testament. And I can hear him say, now, you're not your own. You're bought with a price. And he said, Jesus Christ died to be Lord of your life. And when Jesus is Lord, there will be the filling of the Holy Spirit. And there will be spiritual power. But the question is, is he the Lord of your life? Let me just take and show you a couple of verses, and I'm through. Turn to Romans chapter 14. See, I want everybody in this room who's a Christian to live a life of spiritual power. I don't want one of you to be defeated. I don't not want one of you. If you say, "Brother Fred, what is your desire as pastor of Luke 4:18? What is your desire for me as, your, as my pastor? What is your desire that you will live a life of spiritual power and, and, and living that life of spiritual power, that your life will be fruitful and it will please God? That's all that matters. That's all that matters. That, that you live a life of surrender and out of that life you live, you have spiritual power and you'll live a life that is fruitful and will be pleasing to God, then hallelujah. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. That's it. But in Romans chapter 14, verse 7, verse 9, it tells us that Jesus has the right to be our Lord. Now, now just look at this verse. Now, he has the right to be your Lord. For this reason Christ died rose and lived again. Now, wait a minute. He said, let me tell you why Jesus died. And let me tell you why he rose. And let me tell you why he's alive now. Now, listen to the rest of the verse. For this reason, Christ died, rose, and lived again, that he might be Lord. That he might be Lord of the dead and of the living You mean, Brother Fred, Jesus just didn't die to take away my sins and enable me to go to heaven. You mean to tell me that the reason he died, rose, and lives again was so that he could be the Lord of my life and in control of my life and live his life through me while I was on this earth. I thought it was all just about being forgiven and going to heaven. Wrong, wrong, wrong. He died, rose, and lives again so he can be the Lord of your life. And either you're Lord, little L, or He's Lord. You see, He has a right to be Lord of our life. He died to purchase you. He rose to pardon you. He lives to possess you as Lord. And when I heard that, I mean, God changed my life, y'all. When I realized that that, that he was Lord and I wasn't in control and I wasn't going to pastor in my own wisdom and strength and ability that he was Lord and that I had to let him be Lord and I had to be surrendered. Hey, has it been a struggle? Yes. Have I always let him be Lord? At times I've backed off and gotten off the altar just like everybody does. But I'll tell you one thing. Whenever he's Lord in my life, I have spiritual power. When he's not Lord, I don't have spiritual power. He has every right to be your Lord. He died to purchase you. He rose to pardon you. And He lives to possess you. But you know, not only does it talk about His right to be our Lord, it talks about how we're responsible to Jesus as Lord. I want you to listen to this verse. Now, you, you say, Let me tell you what it is, Brother Fred. I'm just going to live my life, I'm just going to live for myself. Now, my sins are forgiven, and one day I'm going to die and go to heaven. Well, we're not going to go there. But just not only does he have the right to be your Lord, Romans 14, 9, you're responsible. Now, listen to this. I'm reading right out of the Bible. None of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. Well, I'm just going to live my life, and then one day I'll die. No, that's not what this says none of us lives to himself and none of us die to himself if we live we live to the lord if we die we die to the lord what you mean it's just not my life to do with what i want to do Uh, listen i just live and say it's over and go no no you've got to understand i'm reading the word of god none of us lives to himself And no one dies to himself. Whether we live, we live to the Lord. Or whether we die, we die to the Lord. You know, there are two things you've got to understand. And I'm speaking to a child of God now. He has every right to be your Lord. He died to purchase you, rose to pardon you, lives to possess you. But now you're responsible to Jesus as Lord of life. If we live, we live to the Lord. We're responsible to Jesus as Lord of life. Did you know I'm responsible to Jesus for what I do today? Oh, no. Well, I know you are on Sunday, Brother Fred. We're all responsible to Jesus on what we do on Sunday. Hello. Did you know Jesus Christ is as much concerned about what I do on Monday as he is on what I do on Sunday? You know, Jesus is Lord 24-7. Whether we live, we live to the Lord. You are responsible to Jesus as the Lord of your life. Whatever you do, do it heartily to the Lord and not to men. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to the Father. Did you know I'm responsible to Him? It's called surrender for what I do with my daily life whether we live we live unto the Lord but wait a minute (laughs) whether we die we die unto the Lord well I'm just going to live the way I want to and die and it'll be all over oh no 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 it'll just be beginning for you whether we die We die unto the Lord. We're responsible to Jesus as Lord of life. We're accountable to Jesus as Lord in death. If we die, we die unto the Lord. We shall all stand. It says in this chapter, in verse uh, 10, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I am telling you, you will be judged. You say, people don't believe in hell. That doesn't mean that doesn't change anything. (laughs) I mean, people say, 87% of the people believe in heaven. Good. 10% believe in hell. Has nothing to do with it. God says there's a heaven, and God says there's a hell. That settles it. I'm not going to take a poll to find out if there's a heaven or a hell. I'm just going to believe what God says. And the Bible says, do not fear him that can destroy the body, but fear him that can destroy both body and soul in hell. That's the Bible. That's not my words. You say, but a loving God would never send anybody to hell. No, they choose to go there. Because he blockaded the road to hell with a cross. The only way you're ever going to get in hell is to climb over the cross. Because Jesus, God blockaded the road to hell with a cross. You see, you say, I need spiritual power, brother Fred. I'm up and down. I don't have any victory. I get defeated. I find myself angry and bitter and unforgiving. I find myself full of lust. I find myself looking at things I shouldn't look at, doing things I shouldn't do. It seems like the world just eats me up, and I'm just defeated. Well, listen, let me tell you something. It all goes back to this. You've got to surrender. You've got to surrender to Jesus as Lord of your life. You've got to surrender. And then when you surrender, the Holy Spirit who lives in you will give you the spiritual power, and the power comes from when you are surrendered. But but there's no power apart from surrender. Understand, there is none. He has a right to be our Lord. We're responsible to Him as Lord. And then, th- there are some requirements He has as Lord. You know what it is? Every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess to God. Did you know that the requirements of the Lordship of Christ are that you bow your knee and surrender. It's right there. In this in this Romans 14. For every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue shall confess to God. I love Philippians 2. God has highly exalted Jesus. giving him the name above every name. That at the name of Jesus. Now get this. Some knees are going to bow. No. At the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess to God. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm telling you, the requirements are that this side of eternity, while I'm living on this earth, I bow my knee and I surrender to Jesus and say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Take full control of my life. I belong to you. I am your bondservant. I'm your bondservant. Lord Jesus, I bow my knee and I surrender to your Lordship. Now when you do that, then the Spirit of God can fill your life and you can live a life of spiritual power, a life of spiritual power that comes because you're living a surrendered life, which means a spiritually powerful life. That message changed my life. Man, I mean, you should have, she said, Brother Fred, you're a little slow, man. You'd already graduated from seminary and already pastoring, and then all of a sudden you had a breakthrough where you understood that you didn't belong to yourself, that you belonged to Jesus Christ, and he purchased you, and you were not your own, and then that the only thing that mattered was that he was in control of your life, and you weren't in control of your life. I'm telling you, it's like I'd never heard it before in my life. I never will forget. And I'm just going to show you what the difference it makes when you are surrendered and when the Holy Spirit then can fill your life and you have spiritual power. I never will forget. It was such a dramatic experience when I surrendered to the Lordship of Christ over a period of about three weeks. And I settled it. And all I do now is just affirm that He's Lord. I don't have to surrender again. I've already surrendered. But it was about three weeks later that I had really had that encounter, and Jesus was Lord of my life. Uh, Some battles and struggles, yes, and still am, but he's Lord. He's Lord of my life. I never will forget. My wife, Ann, remembers this person well, one of my dear friends. I was standing at the door of Monaghan Baptist Church where I was a pastor, and this man walked out the door, and he shook my hand. He said, Something's happened to you. Something's happened to you. You're not the man you were. You're not preaching like you were. And yeah, I knew that something had happened to me. That I had understood that you're never going to have spiritual power until you live a life of surrender. And folks, I want to tell you, that's the greatest life in this world. I have not given up anything but sin, wickedness, the devil, and hell, and all kind of... Di- <laughs> I ain't given up one thing, but I have found everything in Jesus Christ. And please don't believe that lie, teenager. Man, if you follow Jesus, you're going to give it up. No, you're just going to save yourself from a whole lot of torment and hell because the devil comes to steal and to kill And to destroy my heart is breaking you do not know the burden that I have for someone that I love and and I see the devil stealing and killing and destroying and, and I want to fix it but I can't so all I can do is just cry out to God and cry out to God and cry out to God that God will bring them to the end of themselves And then whatever it takes, that God will do it. Because I know that when Jesus is Lord, there's abundant life. There's forgiveness. There's peace. There's joy. There's purpose. You get up in the morning not feeling guilty and ashamed. You get up in the morning saying, Oh, Jesus, you're my life and you're my Lord. What do you have for me today? You see, you just got to understand What's hanging in the balance? A life of surrender means spiritual power. A life of unsurrender means defeat and destruction and despair. Oh, God, you've got a choice. You have a choice. Why not just surrender and say, have your way, Lord, because I know you love me and you always are going to do what's best for me. Surrender leads to spiritual power.